0: Every one of these episodes is packed, full of timeless ideas you could apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Marta Jasinska. Marta is currently the CTO at e-commerce scale at Bloom and Wild, and she was formerly the chief technology officer at Moo. Her career has been marked by intense periods of growth and learning. Marta discusses why she feels this has come about, as well as some of the drawbacks that come with this type of trajectory. We also discuss networking as a female technology leader, how to know when to leave a job, how to balance the trade-offs between professional growth and avoiding burnout. And I was fascinated to learn how much of Marta's career has been deliberate and how much of it has been shaped by the kinds of problems she's encountered. Martha is an artist, both at heart and in her earlier life. If art is an expression of the human condition, then it is no surprise that Martha's career has returned to solving deeply human problems. The line between organisational design, project delivery and art is thin with Marta and goes some way to explaining the extraordinary career success she has achieved so far. How have the incentives that have guided your decision making changed since mm-hmm. the very beginning?
1: Yeah, I think I'm, the first job I ever took, I was still at university. I was still, you know, day studies. So I spent six to eight hours at university every day. And I'll be honest with you, I was bored, <laughs> and I was, I was looking for something to do that's gonna take me out of school take me out of classes and let me use the skills that I'm gathering at university in a practical way. And I've been really, I remember this was the summer, two two years before graduation, I've been very anxious. I was like, I really want to find a job. I really want to do something practical. So my first, the first kind of thing was I want to find a place where I'm not going to be bored. I'm going to be challenged. I want to fit it around my university time. I didn't even think about compensation. So I signed a contract that was paying me an amount of money every month. And I remember like, this was the first time I was actually getting paid to call. And I remember thinking, okay, I can now afford, if I work long enough, I will afford a new fridge for my apartment and I can put some like food and beers inside. And that was my, that was my motivation. That was all I, I cared about. So that was, that was like how, how I started. This was my starting point. What's interesting then is when I graduated, the, the second job I got was still in gaming industry. My first job was in mobile games, um, before smartphones. Um, my second job was in gaming industry and it was in UK, in Brighton, and it required me to move to another country. And I was very naive about negotiating my salary at the time because when you move countries, it's really hard to know what the reality of living in the country is going to be. But me being naive actually translated to me having a very high demand on my base salary because I just purely translated whatever you could get in Poland into pounds, uh, so I actually ended up being quite well, quite well paid for my for my like entryway junior engineer job uh, down in Brighton, and I really enjoyed you know that. Like landing in Brighton, the company was uh, called MCSoft. They were very supportive. There, there was a lot of things that they offered beyond just compensation. There were free lunches, free drinks, free outings with the team, things like that, that I just didn't have in my previous, uh, previous company. So I started thinking about this thing, like beyond just money, I was thinking about what else can, can company offer me. And the fact that, like, like a nice office, a, a laptop that's like high-powered laptop, like those that those kind of things started matter matter to me as well. And I was moving from different companies around that time. I was looking for that. I was looking for slick onboarding. Uh, a, a team where I feel like we're not gonna be scrambling for for money, right? In the team. And the base salary became secondary concern because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like worried about money at the time. And it's all well until you realize that gaming is not a great industry to keep a job for long. I was made redundant quite quickly when my studio folded the project I was working on and fired everybody. Um, and then I became very quickly looking for a job and compensation became very important again. I just moved to the new country. I've been here a couple of months and I was really worried about paying rent. Uh, so again, going back from everything is great. I'm, you know, paid really well, and I'm looking for companies that uh, that can offer me, you know, free gaming nights and 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 parties. I am back on the street looking for any job that's going to pay my rent. And that's when I moved to kind of e-commerce uh, type of jobs. I went away from gaming and kind of creative work after after three years of doing that. Moved into adult jobs like consultancy and and e-commerce kind of backend engineering jobs. Um, and that's that's the period of time where I started shifting from just being a junior to mid-level engineer but actually team leading architectural kind of um, jobs as well and I realized that uh, A, you get paid much more again if you can prove yourself at the technical level also B, I realized that going back to like the, the feeling I had during university, I do get bored quite easily so when I think about mm. what keeps me at the job or what would prompt me to move to another job is that I want to find something that is interesting. It's a problem that I'm going to enjoy solving. I do like a challenge. I do like a problem where I can you know, wrap my head around it and really try to, to find a solution. And in my early days in e-commerce, it was about finding technical problems that are interesting. At the time, things like um, DevOps and CICD were becoming quite uh, predominant across all the all the companies. so we've been learning a lot about that microservices was another trend and there was a lot of things for me to learn from from that perspective. But then also like slowly ways of working, like scrum and agile ways of working were becoming a, an interesting problem for me. And I noticed that I'm shifting away from technical problems towards people problems. And I started finding excitement not just in solving like technical issues and 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 you know building new features or new services. But also working with people and solving kind of how can I, I used to say, how can I do more damage with a group of people rather than just myself? How can I make a group of people much more impactful? Uh, so what's interesting is when I realized that and I and I realized that about myself, it became about seeking those challenges, a mixture of people and tech challenges. I was actually able to stay in the same company for quite a long time, four years at the time, in a place called ShopZilla. It was the longest I stayed in a company for a while. Like only only one more place I stayed for so long. And the reason why I was able to stay there for so long is because of that like every six months there was something more interesting for me to jump on. And there were other companies coming to me with like opportunities, bigger salary, bonuses, you know, things like that. And I didn't necessarily jump on any of those opportunities because there was enough for me to to do in Shepzilla. And beyond the people challenge, what also was interesting about Shrubzila is the cultural challenge. Shrubzila is an American company uh, with an office in London when I had my little team, but it was also a team in India that I got to go out to New Delhi and set up a team from scratch. And then I was working across you know, LA office, London office, and New Delhi office. And that introduced a whole new set of challenges and problems for me as well. And ability to travel and meet people from different cultures and work with them and, and kind of see how they solve technical problems and people problems and kind of learn from them and adapt my ways of working was another kind of perk, another benefit. So again, it was about money, then it was about challenges, and then it was about opportunity to seek other people and learn from them. So growing as an individual, growing as a leader and learning. Um, And then it became hard to juggle all of these different things. And I had to start making some hard decisions. I had to be like, well, am I going to be hands-on coding forever? Am I going to focus on architecture and technical leadership? Am I going to become a people manager? And when I decided that I want to continue working with teams and continue work, continue creating most impactful teams, that was the moment when I realized I need to start looking for another opportunity again. And it wasn't become compass- about compensation. It's, it was about creating opportunity for me to focus on what I want to be really good at. So step away from company where I know the code base and I can still go in and change the code base and, and the team still relies me to do technical direction, move to a place where I don't know anything about the technology stack and really try to become the best manager I can become in that context.
0: It sounds like when you're making these decisions to move from one company to another, You're thinking less about what work you're going to be doing per se, but more about who you'll become?
1: Yeah, I think I I like to think that I'm very purposeful about my career. And maybe some of this is maybe retrospectively as well, like some of this may sound much more thoughtful than it actually happened when it happened. But I do think that every step, whether it was within a company or moving from one company to another, I did want to be. I wanted them to be meaningful for me. Like I always think about how do I challenge myself? How do I grow in my career, in my development? And I know different people think about this differently. Some people are looking for the most impactful organization or project they can work on in a given moment. Whereas I like to see this as a, as a, as a single career that goes across different organizations and different uh, technology stacks and different projects. So yeah, I've been, I've been trying to build on top of those different opportunities. And I definitely think about how they relate to each other. Whether what I'm doing next is significantly different to what I've been doing before. Is it a step in the right direction for me? I've been quite purposeful about this.
0: You've also got a fascinating background in that each one of the companies that you joined, you grew within. Mm. And that's not necessarily typical. You may choose on your working journey to advance your career by moving from one place to another but in your case it looks like you've made a really quite deliberate choice to grow within a company rather than switch between them was that fair
1: again yeah it's fair although it's probably more deliberate on retrospective than it was in a given point in time like i mentioned like within shopzilla i was given those opportunities and i was able to grow my career and i that that's why i stayed there for so long in other places for whatever reason, either the opportunities weren't there, or you know, like when I when I joined Photobox and I was working there just for two years, I almost grew too quickly. I became an engineering director within a year's time when I was there because an opportunity was presented to me. But the amount of work and change that that caused for me actually led me to burnout, and I needed to take a break. And if you if you look at my kind of next step, I'm taking a side step. I'm taking a engineering director role. So the same level, but in a different company, smaller company, to kind of calm things down a bit and see if I can grow again. So mm. yeah, sometimes it works really nicely, but it really depends on the speed and the context of the company you're operating in and whether whether you are ready for, for the opportunity or not.
0: Burnout is different for everyone. It has different symptoms and sometimes it can be really difficult to tell whether you're experiencing burnout or not. Yeah. When did you first first notice it
1: i'll be very very honest i think i noticed it for the first time when i was sitting in a in a bathroom in our office and i felt like like just sitting there and re- realized i'm crying for no reason like just you know you're sitting and suddenly you realize the tears are coming down your face and i was thinking there's something very very wrong about how i feel about being here being in this office and, and working through the problems that i'm working through and that got me really thinking about where this anxiety and stress is coming from and why do I feel that way? But it took quite a lot for me to realize that I'm going through.
0: What did you do in that moment to self-reflect?
1: In that particular moment, lots of cold water on my face. Uh, and I did manage to make it through the day. Uh, I had some meetings I had to attend on the day that I couldn't just not go to. But it definitely gave me a pause. I took some time off afterwards. I took like a, like a longer break. And yeah, I started I started thinking about what could I change. And my first thought wasn't to go and look for another job. Frankly, that was the last thing I thought about. Just the thought of putting myself out there to look for another job was really intimidating. So it was about pausing. It was about creating some space for me to think, uh, disengage from work. I talked to my manager as well. I made him aware that this is a problem. Uh, but that introspective kind of thinking and the time I gave myself actually led me to making a decision to then put myself back on the market and, like I said, look for a role that's gonna be not gonna like put my career backwards, but it's not gonna be as challenging uh, as much as this one was.
0: When you look back on it now, were there any signs before then that you that you missed that you could have caught
1: earlier? Yeah, I think it's always this like you know you get a little bit cynical. You get a little bit disengaged and I definitely had that period of time before I before I got to that brink. Um, you know, you you know that the meetings are not going your way, you kind of start almost like disengaging from that problem, you start you stop being part of the solution, you start just commenting about the issues. And I definitely had a moment like that, me and some other people who were trying to drive change in center direction in the organization. I remember there were moments where I stopped trying to push change forward and I started feeling like it's impossible to change and I started becoming quite cynical. And I think I could have, like I would pick it up now much sooner because of that. I know that I'm naturally quite eager to to drive change, to to, to engage people in change. I'm really enjoying that. The moment I start feeling quite cynical about it, it's usually a sign that something is not working.
0: When you went through that self-reflection after the event and you then decided to make a change what what was that like what process did you go through
1: i wouldn't call it a process again it wasn't as as maybe thought through at the time as as it as i wish it was look i looked through opportunities that were on the market i met some people i started talking to different companies um and i really wanted to like before i even make a decision to move on to be honest i wanted to see what's What are my opportunities? What are like the types of opportunities I could consider? And I I think there were like two flavors that I looked at and there were bigger company or like same size or bigger company to the one I was already in and pretty much like hit reset and start again at the same level in the same type of organization and see if I can do it again. Or smaller companies and earlier stages that I could take this experience and try to help them not burn out another director or, you know, help them to get to a better place based on my experience. And I seriously considered both when you go back to like, uh, I guess, salary and and rewards that you get. Like obviously those bigger companies were offering packages that were maybe much more, you know, enticing, interesting. Um, But I actually ended up going with a smaller company and helping it scale. And reflecting back, definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made in my career. It helps me really grow to the next level. But it wasn't an obvious choice at the time. I was, I remember feeling a bit like, is this going to work? Am I taking a step back? Is this, is this the right time for me?
0: How did it unfold at Moo?
1: Moo is that, that company that I joined. It was a smaller company that was about to scale up. It was about to go through a through a big change. Uh, I joined them as, uh, it was supposed to be an easy job, web development director with like maybe 15 director ports, half of what I had, less than half of what I had earlier. And I remember thinking, yeah, I can, I can yeah, I can handle it. A year, I'm going to just chill. It's going to be great. Uh, what I've learned is in scale-ups, in startups, things can change very, very quickly. And one person moving on may trigger quite a big organizational change. Um, and that person for me was uh, Mike, who hired me. He was my manager at the time. He decided to move on, I think, three months after I joined. He reassured me it wasn't me. He reassured me there were other, other reasons. Um, and then you with him, some, some other people left, you know, people who've been there for a while, people who built that platform and that team from scratch. And suddenly I found myself in a position where a lot of the problems around how the platform operates, how how we deploy to production, how we work, became my problems, be, not because I wanted them to be my problems, but because there was nobody else to, to pick them up. Um, and I naturally lean in into those situations, so I did. And I spent a lot of time uh, working with our platform team, making sure that our platform uh, is ready for, you know, peaks and sales that were coming up. Worked with engineers trying to figure out how, like what are the skills gaps and how can we grow this team and make sure that we can do the right thing. And I was lucky enough to be part of the team that was hiring our first CTO, Mary, who joined, I think, three months after all of this unfolded. So I had like three months of trying to keep the, the tech team together and trying to, to get the platform up and running. And then after Mary joined, I again, we we had a lot of big things to push through on the backlog. Um, and again, I naturally leaned into areas where there weren't maybe people providing the leadership. So that's how I ended up running the cloud migration project, moving us from data center to AWS. Not really my expertise and experience, but I did enjoy the challenge. It was really great building the team out, building the processes, actually doing the project work. Uh, I worked with data engineering. I worked with a bunch of other engineering teams as well. Very quickly, uh, Mary created space for me to both be challenged and explore new skills and new opportunities while also supporting teams that were quite naturally easily supported by me. So that when Mary was moving on, um, there was an opportunity for me to fill in the CTO role first in the interim and then uh, in a full-time. And again, stepping into a CTO role in a scale-up You really feel like you're moving away from just being a technical leader to being a business leader. You are, you are really moving, moved away from, you know, like the day to day problems of how the application behaves. Do we have any incidents to budgeting and strategy and operating, you know, with discussing, you know, your, your next move with the board and investors. And it's very much business leadership role with some elements of technical leadership. Uh, which, again, I enjoyed quite a lot uh, to the point that uh, I was started leaning in quite heavily into like the product team ways of working and, and things like that. So by the end of my time with Moo, I was actually CTPO running across the product team as well as the engineering Um, and I guess technology teams as a whole so within four short years my easy gig where I was supposed to chill for a year became one of the biggest uh, jobs I ever had in my career. How
0: did the challenge differ at Moo to how it had been before and why did that challenge feel so productive and invigorating as opposed to so difficult Hmm. like it was before.
1: I think it's the um, ability to make impact, like feeling that I can actually make decisions and execute on the plan. So they're making it. I was given a lot of freedom by my manager, by the executive team, by the board, like at every level. There was quite a lot of uh, opportunity for me to kind of carve out my own path for me and my team. And also the thing that I just mentioned, like leaning out and kind of looking at what other teams are doing, This was encouraged, it wasn't like something that I would be punished for, and I find myself really enjoying that, That you know, whenever I feel like things are going really well, and I have some time and some headspace to, to worry about the bigger problem, there was always something else for me to get involved in, and it was welcomed. And it was a two-way street. We had people from other parts of the organization kind of joining us and, and working with us on our plans, on the, on the application, on the platform strategy as well. So I really found that like collaboration, but also like, like the fact that you, any individual couldn't make impact as long as they were lean, willing to lean in and kind of be, become a part of a solution rather than just sitting on the sidelines.
0: It sounds like freedom gave you, uh, and a wide berth gave you the the kind of fuel and the energy not to be burnt out, whereas before the, it was less to do with like how you know how hard you're working or anything and more to do with just where that energy was being directed.
1: I think there's that. I also think that as I grew as a leader, I've learned much better how to express what I'm trying to achieve to different stakeholders, to different mm-hmm. people. I think you know when I became director for the first time, I feel like there was a lot of I had to still learn about how to make the case for the right plan. And I like, I was very strong on doing this with architects and engineers, like the technology team was quite behind any plan that I put forward, but I don't think I was ready to have these conversations with our exec team, with our board. And I think it's, it's, it's freedom, but it's freedom that I earned by learning how to, how to work with people that are not necessarily coming out from technical background i think that was that was a big learning for me when i was
0: how did you know when it was the right time to think about doing something different
1: oh you never know i'm always i always i always laugh that i take on too much and it's never the right time and and i just somehow make it work i don't think there's an easy way easy way to tell when it's ready i usually pick up more and new challenges before i'm ready to be honest
0: how did it manifest itself at the end of your time with me
1: um yeah it's interesting it was a very weird time. So I realized I want to I'm kind of ready to move on from you in late 2019, maybe early 2020. At that time, our technology team was doing really well. I had um, VP of engineering Claire who's, who's a good friend of mine still and she's been kind of running this team quite well. Uh, so a lot of my attention was more on um, product development, ways of working, agile coaching and I remember reflecting on it and thinking it is interesting but I'm missing the problems that I was able to be part of solving when I was closer to the technology what I really enjoyed about being at Mo is that our technology was not just about web and and kind of the the customer facing applications but we also had a lot of manufacturing technology and our business was quite complicated there was B2B aspect of it but our small business customers were very different to large business customers so there's a lot of like interesting problems to solve within technology but once I moved myself so far away from these problems I wasn't really participating in solutions for the right reasons there were right people kind of solving these problems they didn't really need me anymore so I remember thinking yeah more could probably go on without me and do really really well and I'm probably ready for something else and that. That's just before the pandemic started. Uh, so when pandemic started, I, I like yeah, more as a business was going through it just like everybody else. It was quite tough for physical product businesses, especially B2B ones, where, you know, our products, business cards, leaflets were not really great for, for the early kind of lockdown times. So I remember like sticking around a bit longer to to support the team through that. Um but at the same time I started meeting other people. I started kind of Putting myself out there and trying to figure out what would be the next interesting problem for me to solve, and that's how that's how I met uh, Aaron, uh, CEO of Bloom and Wild, um, in June 2020.
0: And when you began putting yourself out there, what did that practically entail for you? Did it entail sharing things with people that were close to you? Did it entail like speaking to companies directly, like? How did you go about that process? Because it's it's quite murky and not necessarily clear for people who yeah. are at the high level.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm very privileged in that I am working in industry that at least today still has quite a lot of openings and walls, um, especially if you're willing to, to be flexible, like if you're willing to say, hey, I can work on back end or front, and I can be a leader, I can be, uh, you know, I, I can be flexible as long as the problem space is interesting. Like we, I think we are very lucky that technology as an industry still offers so many jobs at so many different levels. Um, as a woman leader in technology, there are networks and there are conversations that I get to be part of just by the nature of being a female leader, because it's still a rare thing, and it's still quite exciting for for CEOs and founders, especially in scale-ups, in tech scale-ups, to have somebody like me come in and say, Hey, not only I tick your diversity boxes, but I can also actually lead your technology team. I actually know what I'm doing. I have experience. I have I have the know-how. So I think I'm, I'm very privileged from that perspective, which is weird because part of that privilege comes from the fact that I'm from an underrepresented group in our industry. So when I when I want to put myself out there and start looking for a job. It's actually very simple for me. I, I just open my LinkedIn and go through my messages and I get a lot of recruiter messages every day. Um, or, you know, like you said, oh, I talk to my friends, there are people in my network who are very close to me that I met through those years, who I know that if I, I just mentioned, Hey, I would be interested at in look at someone, something else, they will, they will point me in the right direction. So there are there are many ways you can do it, but I think I think it's quite easy for somebody in my position to um, find the next job. Like the the problem becomes how do you make a decision? How do you know which one is the right one for you?
0: How did you work that out when you decided to join Bloom?
1: Um, when I talked to Aaron about like I was very honest. I always I'm always very honest when I talk uh, with uh, with people who would like to work with me. I tell them that I get bored easily. I tell them what am I trying to achieve in my career. And I tell them what kind of problem would be interesting. And I found myself really like enjoying engagement where people were giving me the same level of honesty. Hey, this is where the company is at right now. This is what we know. This is what we don't know. This is where we think you would fit in. Um, and, And like really doing that chemistry check on whether... Whether there is some like understanding, whether I'm getting founders who understand the role of technology, they understand what technology can do for them, but also founders who can say, Hey, I I honestly don't know. Like, I'm looking for somebody to help me. I always look for that level of honesty. I want somebody to be able to explain to me why they think I'm the right fit uh, for what they're looking for. Uh, And yeah, with, with Aaron, especially, we had a really good rapport. I find him, I found it very interesting that as a founder, CEO, founder of a physical Product company, he cared so much about what technology means for this business. He sees technology as a massive uh, point of difference and he knows, he knows what he wants out of his platform, right? He knows what he, what he, what good looks like, not just for the product that he ships to the customers, the, the flowers, but also about the experience of the app, experience of the web. Like there's so much care put into that from, from just directly from his perspective. And then what I also enjoy is his vision for the future. Um, I think we're very aligned and I think we always say this we are very aligned on where we think um, the platform should go. Um, and we can disagree and debate on how we're gonna get there. and we enjoyed I enjoyed that dynamic. I enjoyed knowing where we want to get to and enjoyed talking working out how we're gonna get there together. So we are spending time with spending time with the founder CEO was really important finding that chemistry is there and the trust is there. And then verifying the trust through the interviews with other people on the company, making sure that what I'm hearing back from engineers, from product managers from engineering managers matches that that vision uh, that I was uh, that I was presented with. So I spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people over the summer of 2020. and yeah I decided to go with the company that I felt had the most promise for the technology stack the most caring and the most honest uh, leadership team. And I just enjoyed meeting everybody on that team. I really enjoyed that. And you notice nowhere here I mentioned salary or bonuses or money, right? At a certain stage, you get to the point where you don't make these decisions based on the package anymore.
0: As you navigate this journey, and as you decide which challenges excite you, it strikes me that you're picking the challenges that are Uh, weighty and that will give you um, something to drive towards but at the same time you want to balance those challenges with ones that you know that you fall within your sphere of competence somehow how do you assess that and work out whether the challenge that you're thinking about working on next is within your sphere of competence but still challenging you at the same time
1: yeah there's no exact science but there's definitely a balance to it um and the way the way i like to frame it in my head is it cannot be just about me stretching and learning i want to make sure that i'm bringing value from day one and in order to do that i need to have some experience and some skills that are going to be valuable from day one and it can be different like depending on the team depending on the situation it may be my technical skills it may be my Ability to translate business talk into technology talk. It may be my people management skills. Um, whatever it is, Like there must be something that I can apply to the problem from day one. I want to make sure that I'm having an impact early on. But it cannot be just having an impact. It cannot be just I come in and I know exactly what to do. Um, I tried that with Moo and not only it didn't work because very quickly things changed around me, but also... Like I chose at more to engage with bigger problems really quickly. I know that I need to find things that go beyond just what I know. And I learned that about me at more. So I know it has to be a balance. I don't have an exact science, like, you know, five bullet points here, five bullet points there. But it's definitely, I always think about that, like what's going to be the impact I can bring early on and what is the thing that I'm going to be stretching and what is the thing I'm going to be learning about in this uh, in this time.
0: Have you ever doubted whether you're on the right? track
1: oh yeah many times many times uh, especially around the time you make a change uh i, I usually say that like oh, you know i accepted this uh, job offer or i accepted this change to my kind of career or level and like usually three to four months in i go oh boy i don't really know if i know what i'm doing. <laughs> like I think they believed everything I told them during the interview process, and now I have this problem of like, actually have to do this. Definitely have that. Um, And even on a bigger scale, I sometimes think whether the decisions I made over time, are they still pointing me in the right direction? So there's like a short-term thing of like, am I sure I made the right choice, like short-term, but also like looking back, was this the right thing to become a manager and not an architect? What did it do for me? Um, how did I go back then to to being more technical and not just people managing? Uh, was this was this the right choice? Was this the right choice to lean in and worry about DevOps where I could have just focused on org design and kind of people management? There's a lot of that reflection as well uh, as I go through my career.
0: How have you found a healthy relationship between self reflection and going? too deep on your learning at times you can uh your your learning will have been so fierce and severe and your growth through these scale-up companies will have been so intense that uh, that level of self-awareness is required is is uh is huge but with it comes this requirement for you to be able to tame it in certain areas um how have you balanced both Making sure that you're self-reflecting and enabling this, uh, your own personal growth, but at the same time not self-sabotaging in a way.
1: That's an interesting question. I think it's um, it's important to give yourself time to consider things like that. Like what, what I mean by this is very easy to like just keep running after the next thing, and it keep yeah. running and keep challenging yourself, and keep kind of pushing for the next whatever it is, next big project, next step up in your career path, and I think. It's important you give yourself time to take a step back and be like, like, am I happy right now? What what makes me happy about my job right now? Am I happy on a Monday morning and i happy on Friday evening? Right. And like what are the different things that are making me happy about these these moments? I I don't have like a one answer fits all, but I do think I do think that you need to ask yourself these questions, almost like become your own coach. I also use coaching, uh, like I have a, I have a coach that I meet with directly and uh, regularly and he will ask me those questions and he'll be like, what makes you excited about you, where you are today and how do you think about yourself in the future and reflecting back what were the, the big wins that you want to take with you. Um, but not everybody has access to a coach and I think a lot of those questions you can ask yourself, but you need to make time for this, whether you're making time to meet with somebody who's going to ask those questions or whether you're doing it yourself giving yourself like, permission almost to reflect back on these things and maybe plan out your next step based on those reflections. I think it's really important.
0: What are you optimising for? Is it happiness, joy, excitement?
1: Probably uh, yeah, very weird like satisfaction. Like Looking back, I like to be satisfied with the impact I had and the learnings that I picked up. And if I'm thinking about happiness, it's my happiness, but also happiness of my team. I love I love those moments when you when you look at the team and you think it's working. You know they're engaging with the problem. They're working together. If I disappear tomorrow, they'll be fine. You know that that kind of moments. So I'm optimizing for creating moments of, of little satisfaction where I feel like I did this thing. It had an impact on the team. Had an impact on the project. And I feel like I've learned something and I'm grown. Like those are the the, the moments that I really enjoy.
0: How would you? describe your relationship with work
1: it really depends on who you ask so i think it's very healthy my mom (laughs) disagrees and she thinks i work too much um i really enjoy my work and i think that's the thing i am very i'm I'm in a very privileged and i think quite unusual position again i think in tech industry are quite spoiled right we are a lot of us in tech are problem solvers and our job every day is to solve problems like who gets to you know, heck who gets to have a job like that? And it's and it's an industry that has a lot of openings and there's a lot of problems for us to solve. So it's it's such a great place to be at um if you enjoy that, that sort of career. And I'm definitely like that. I, I I always say this, whatever happens that I have good days and bad days, I really enjoy my work. And I wouldn't I don't think I would be as happy if I just suddenly stopped. I, I try not to think about retirement. I think I'm just gonna do a lot of cross so I don't know what I'm gonna do when I retire. Um but yes, I really enjoyed that it. It, it it let me my career let me met, meet people that I would never meet, go to places that I would never go to, and yeah, engage with interesting problems that I wouldn't find on my own. And I think because of that, it sometimes doesn't feel like work. it sometimes feels like a really great hobby that you get paid to do. um and then there are bad days where it's it's really hard and you had to like push yourself through them and almost like remind yourself, I really love my job and I'm gonna make it through this day and I make it through this week and then I'm gonna get a break and then I'm gonna enjoy my work again. It's it's being able to recharge um, afterwards.
0: Was building technology companies what she expected you to do?
1: Definitely not. The reason why I'm laughing is my my family has a long history of like, I guess, literature kind of people, like, like we have a lot of like teachers and some writers um when I was a kid I really wanted to be a painter or a comic book illustrator and that horrified my parents they did not want that career for me either um but my mom was always saying you know maybe like a journalist if you're really ambitious like that kind of career and when I when I floated the idea of doing um I have a masters degree in software design and architecture and I was like saying mom I really think I should I should go to university for that I didn't know what a compiler is when I went to my to the university. I was the only like person in our university studies group that never wrote, wrote a code, line of code in my life. I was nineteen and I was discovering this whole new world. So my whole family was quite surprised. It was it was very surprising move for them. I think it was it was surprising for me how much enjoy I enjoyed it as well.
0: Was it surprising to them in a good sense or a bad sense?
1: Well, so what happens? What happens when you go and? somehow managed to get in to study software design and architecture at university and you have no idea how to do that what happens is that the first year is really hard for you so i barely barely made it through the first kind of set of exams and first set of um, set of tests i had to do there and i remember my parents being really worried about how hard i have to work to make it through and then being like you know you can you can change your mind. You can switch to different directions. You can have different subjects, and we're gonna support you even if you fall back by a year. And I think they were surprised by how much I didn't want to do it, but I think they were quite worried as well about this. But uh, after that first year, things smoothed over. It became much easier, and uh, they saw that I'm enjoying myself. They saw that this is clearly something I'm really passionate about. Um, and yeah, now I don't think I don't think they. They
0: will have it any other way. Art is an expression of the human condition, and it's uh, amazing to almost hear it go full circle. And as you come through and up your career, the thing that you're drawn towards are those human relationships and solving those problems that are not existential, but are are more challenging and more more human.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's very, very, very good of you to notice. Yeah, I definitely thought a lot about how, how I was thinking about painting and illustration. There's a very similar thought process. I'm quite analytical even when I when I do my, my art. And yeah, I apply a lot of that kind of thinking when I think about organizational design or, or project delivery and, and generally my work.
0: I've loved learning about your story. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for sharing it. No
1: worries. Thank you very much.
0: The Best Work podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at benatcord.co You can also find a transcript of this conversation insightful video content and more at core.co slash insights thanks for listening